going to ask you to turn in the New Testament to the very last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. We're going to be in Revelation chapter number 21. We read these verses a few weeks back during the first message in a short series on heaven. And uh, they were not our text verses, but they are going to serve as our text verses uh, this morning. And of course, again, this is more of a topical message as opposed to an exposition of these five verses. And so I want you to notice Revelation chapter number 21, verses 1 through 5. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write. For these words are true and faithful. The title of the message this morning is in the form of a question. What is heaven like? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you today. We are so thankful, Lord, that as we just got through singing in these precious hymns, these old songs that have such scriptural messages, Lord, that there is a place called heaven and we know that uh, we are assured of a place there because of our standing with you and that standing comes through the finished work of your dear son the Lord Jesus Christ and Lord this morning we are so thankful that at the end of our time here on this earth we know that we shall forever be with you and Lord our hearts are are resting and our souls I trust are thriving on this promise and yet Lord I think that sometimes we often are remiss in finding out exactly what this place called heaven is like. And Lord, I pray that as the Scriptures reveal precious truths for us to feast on, You would guide us today, hold our attention on You and Your Word. And Lord, may may the purpose of this message be for Your exaltation, but may there also be a practical application that we would be motivated to live our lives unto You, seeing that You have given us an inheritance that is undefiled, incorruptible and fades not away it's assured for us and lord we look forward to that time when we'll be with you in your dwelling place in the new heaven lord help us today accomplish your own will and purpose it's in jesus's name we pray amen 2022 as we've mentioned multiple times so far here we are into february 2022 will be a good year if we are as christians think on our eternal dwelling place Now, a few weeks back, as I previously mentioned, we started a short series on heaven. In our first sermon, we considered that heaven is a real place. And we looked at the three heavens that are revealed in Scripture. The first heaven, which is referred to as the air or the atmosphere. The second heaven, which we didn't use this term, but it's also known as the sidereal heaven, consists of the sun, moon, and stars. And then the third heaven which is the dwelling place of God. 
In this message, we are referencing that third heaven, the dwelling place of God. Now, we're not going this morning to delve into all the particulars of how the third heaven becomes the new heaven and the new earth and how these all appear. Suffice it to say that we covered in our previous message out of 2 Peter chapter number 3, that wasn't the text, but we looked at 2 Peter chapter number 3, where we are told that there will be a purging and a renovation of this old earth. There will be a uh, not a complete annihilation, but a renovation that will result in a new heaven and a new earth. In our text here, John is sharing his vision of what heaven will be like. He mentions in verse number 1 what he saw. He saw a new heaven and a new earth. And he talks about the renovation and the purging that takes place. And then he goes on and he describes what that new heaven is going to be like. Now there is much about the new heaven that is mysterious to us. There are questions that I could ask you that you cannot emphatically answer. And questions that you could ask me that I cannot emphatically answer. Um, and I'll just, just quickly, just off the top of my head, um, are there real mansions in heaven? Uh, it, do we need to sleep in heaven? Right. These are questions that, that are we going to eat in heaven? Now some of these, I think the Bible sheds some light on, but not enough to say emphatically that here's how it's going to be. So I believe that because this is the case, that there's much that is mysterious, it should not deter us from looking into the Scriptures and examining what the Scriptures say and determining what we can about the new heaven, what is heaven like. But we should also heed the words of the faithful man of God by the name of Moses. And I, I read this verse to you because I think it says a lot about how we ought to approach this subject and other subjects like it. In Deuteronomy chapter number 29 and verse number 29, the Bible reads, this is Deuteronomy 29, verse 29, The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. And so there are, there are some secret things about this place called heaven, the new heaven, that are not revealed unto us. And that should not deter us from looking at what is revealed unto us about what heaven is like. But I want you to note the purpose for the revealed word and really the purpose for our study. That we may do all the words of this law. In other words, our study is not just intended to heap us uh, uh, piles of knowledge as it relates to heaven but that in studying the Word of God and what heaven is like, it should, first of all, cause us to praise our Heavenly Father for the place that is prepared for us, but it should motivate us to live a Christ-honoring life. Now, what is heaven like? Well, this morning, I want us to think on three characteristics, three characteristics that describe the new heaven. First of all, it is a place of physical beauty. Secondly, it is a place of perpetual 
bliss. And thirdly, it is a place of the presence of both the Father and the Son. If we can look at these characteristics that describe heaven, I believe that you and I will leave here today much more equipped to praise the Lord for this new heaven that we will be able to say, you know what, I don't know all that heaven is like. There are some mysteries, but I know what's been revealed unto me on the word, in the Word, and I can tell you what heaven is like, and because of that, I want to live a life that is pleasing unto my Heavenly Father and my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So let's begin this morning by considering what heaven is like, and think about this first characteristic, that heaven is a place of physical beauty. Now the landscape of the new heaven is going to be completely different than this earth. I'm here to tell you this morning that there are some ugly places here on this earth. And, and I don't mean to be offensive to anybody, but I think everybody here, has everybody here been to Wichita Falls, Texas? Now I love the Kings and man, they, they played an integral part in my life and I'd take a bullet for them. Uh, except moving back to Wichita Falls. <laughs> I mean, that is, Darlene's giving me the funky look because, you know, whenever you say that, then the Lord calls you to, you know. But, folks, friends, when you describe all the beautiful places on earth, is Wichita Falls included in that description? And, you know, there are other many, there are many other places like Wichita Falls. Okay, there's some ugly places here on this earth. And then I think, just in the places where Darlene and I and, our, and, and for the most part our children have been blessed to travel across this globe. And I think of beautiful places like Hawaii. And flying in across Pearl Harbor and you see the, 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 the pure, clear water in the harbor. And then if you, if you stayed at the Halikoa and you come out into the garden area there and you see all the foliage and the the beautiful flowers, and you say, man, this, this has got to be like what the Garden of Eden was like. I mean, this is just beautiful. And then you go jet set across the globe, and you wind up in the uh, southern region of Germany with the Alps there, and you go up to the, uh, the Zook, what's that called, the Zugspig? What? Yes, okay, you've been there. And you look out, and you see the wonder of all the Alps and the beauty that God has created. And you go down to a place like Key West, and you see all of the, not, not the people there, you understand, but just the beauty of God's creation. And there are so many areas. You go into Gatlinburg, Tennessee, in Pigeon Forge, and you see the great Smoky Mountains. And man, there are some beautiful, beautiful places here on this earth. And none of them compare to the place of beauty that God has prepared for His children. The Apostle Paul wrote, and we're not going to turn there, but he wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter number 2 a quotation or a paraphrase of Isaiah chapter 64 and verse number 4 where he said that, you know, I hath not seen nor ear heard, and neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love Him. And I believe that he's somewhat talking about this place that we're going to spend eternity with the Lord the eternal dwelling place of the saints of God, this place called the third heaven, or as we would refer to it in the future, the new heaven on the new earth. It is a landscape that is completely different 
than what you and I see here. I want you to note that the new heaven is a place of physical beauty. First of all, because of our prepared residence. Our prepared residence. Notice Revelation chapter 21 and verse 1 and 2 again. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now our purpose is not this morning to talk about who in the new heaven is going to live within the new Jerusalem. I'm probably going to address that before the end of this series. But it is to focus on the new Jerusalem itself. This is a place that is a prepared residence for the children of God. The new Jerusalem is described as having the glory of God. Look further down in Revelation chapter 21 at verses 10 and 11. And I will give you warning that this morning we're going to be turning to a lot of verses. So get your fingers limbered up. And if you can't turn quick enough, then just listen as we read the Scriptures. In Revelation chapter 21, watch verses 10 and 11, as John is again describing the vision of this prepared residence that he writes about. And he carried me away in the Spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Watch. Having the glory of God. And her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. You know what John is describing? He's describing a place of physical beauty. A place of physical beauty in a prepared residence, the new Jerusalem. Now think about the new Jerusalem. It is unlike any city that you could imagine. Now we've had an opportunity, I know most of you have had opportunity to visit some of the European cities. And there are some of the European cities and castles and churches where the ornamentation and the gold is almost gaudy. And folks, I'm telling you that the beauty of the new Jerusalem and the new heaven is such that we can't even really imagine it with our minds. Notice that it is a city of pure gold. Not fake gold, but of pure gold. In Revelation chapter number 21, notice the last or the middle part of verse number 18. Revelation chapter 21 and the, uh, verse number 18, and the city was pure gold like unto clear glass. Not only is the city pure gold, but the street in the new heaven is pure gold. Look at verse number 21 in the last part of verse number 21 in Revelation chapter 21. And the street of the city was pure gold, as it were transparent glass. And then notice as well, not only is the New Jerusalem, this prepared residence, a place of physical beauty, it's a city of pure gold. It's a street, it has a street of pure gold. But it also has a great and ornamented jasper wall. Look at verse number 18. Now the first part of verse number 18. And the building of the wall of it was of jasper. Now, the word jasper, of course, is a precious stone. And I'll just give you a quick definition. It is a precious stone of various colors, as green, purple, etc., often clouded with white and beautifully striped with red or yellow. And it gives off the sense of a glitter. <laughs> this, is the, this is how the wall 
is made. Now that wall consists of 12 gates that are manned by 12 angels and the, 12, the names of the 12 tribes of Israel are written on those gates. Guess what the gates are made of? You ever hear of the pearly gate? Well, there's actually 12 pearly gates. They're, they're made of pearl as we find in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 21. Look at 21 verse 21. And the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl. And then the gate or the wall consists of not only these 12 gates, but 12 foundations of the wall that have the names of the 12 apostles written on them. This is described in verse number 14. Notice verse number 14. The Bible reads, And the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and in them the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Now guess what? The 12 foundations were also decorated with precious stones. Look down at Revelation chapter 21, verses 19 and 20. In Revelation 21, verses 19 and 20. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third a chalcedony, the fourth an emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth a topaz, the tenth a chrysoprasus, the eleventh a jacinth, the twelfth an amethyst. Man, listen. Do you begin to get an idea of the physical beauty of this place? Think about the most ornate palace that you could visit here on this earth. And it does not even begin to compare to the physical beauty of the new heaven that contains the new Jerusalem, a prepared residence. But notice, secondly, we're talking about what is heaven like. It is a place of physical beauty. Not only the prepared residence, but the prestigious radiance. The prestigious radiance. Here, I would like for you to look at, and hold your place in Revelation chapter 21, but just one chapter over, Revelation chapter 22 and verse number 5. Notice Revelation 22 and verse number 5. And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Hey folks, this is a prestigious light. There is no more the need for a sun or a moon. The sun to give light by day, and the moon to give light by night, there's no need for light there. We don't need a candle. Why? For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. This is a prestigious radiance. Now I want you to think about the city of gold, with the street of gold, and this fabulous wall that surrounds the new Jerusalem with all of the costly pearls and, and, and stones that make up the foundation, and then the fact that it's never night. There is a light that continually shines upon it, and that light comes from the Lord God Almighty. In Revelation chapter 21 and verse number 25. In Revelation chapter 21 and verse number 25. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. i got to tell you, if I were looking up a place to go on vacation, and I ran across a description like this, 
first of all, I would say, yeah, that's pretty false advertising. Uh, but then, if it were a real place, how many of you would not choose and say, man, i got to go see this place? I'm not sure what it costs, but i got to go see this place where the city is pure gold. The street is pure gold. The wall that surrounds it is made of such precious stones and the gates of pearls that you would not believe it. And to top it all off, there is no night the light of God continually shines upon it. What a place of physical beauty. But then there's one more description that we find as it relates to uh, trying to answer what is heaven like. It's a place of physical beauty. Not only do we have the prepared residence, the New Jerusalem, a prestigious radiance, God is the light of it, there is no night, but then a pure river. Now there is something about a pure river, is there not? Brother Jim and I were just talking, and I, I, it seems like I'm piling up on Wichita Falls this morning. I'm not. Uh, I don't like Wichita Falls, but I, I love the people there, the, the family and friends that we have there. Um, but Jim and I were talking about the time when back in the 80s where they... They put the falls back in Wichita Falls. And Willard Scott was there for the morning news, you know, national news and so forth, you know, and they, they got the falls rolling. And guess what was coming down the falls? Muddy water. Dirty, muddy water. Hey, is there, is there, is there anything appealing about a dirty, muddy body of water? Do you say, man, I want to go swimming I want to go enjoy all of God's beauty of His creation. Let me find the dirtiest, muddiest place I can locate. You think of the Mississippi River. The muddy Mississippi. You want to go take a dive in the Mississippi? And then you think about some of those places again that I've described earlier. The water is just seems like it's transparent. It's clear. It's beautiful. But you know, in some of those places, you might jump in and there might be some dangerous critters that are in that water. There might be some, some hazards to your health, but guess what? Not in the new heaven. You know what's in the new heaven? A pure river. Notice Revelation chapter 22 and verse number 1. In Revelation 22 and verse number 1, John writes, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. God places the river, the new river in the new heaven for the beautification of the city and for the enjoyment of the saints. Joseph Augustus Sice was a Christian theologian that lived in the 19th century. And he wrote this in reference to this pure river that exists in the new heaven. He says, the river is a heavenly river and belongs to a heavenly city and is for the use and joy of a heavenly people. Its waters are literal waters of a nature and quality answering to that of the golden city to which they belong. But the city is a sublime reality, the home and residence of the Lamb and His glorious bride, and these waters are a corresponding reality. Folks, what I'm describing to you this morning is not some allegorical description of the new heaven. These scriptures that we read are not to be taken as just some picture or figure or shadow of what heaven is like. Hey, there is a place called heaven. Heaven is a real place. And the eternal dwelling place of God is a place of physical beauty. i got to tell you, 
when you think about this place of physical beauty and you think about the God that designed it and prepared it and provides it, you know what that's going to do, do to you? It's going to make you fall down on your knees in wonder and amazement at such a God who, first of all, could do that, but secondly, would do that for his chosen people. Man, listen, what is heaven like? Well, there's a lot of mystery. There's a lot we don't know, but we do know this. It's a place of physical beauty. You know, the second characteristic of heaven that we see in Scripture is that it is a place of perpetual bliss. Perpetual bliss. Bliss is described by Webster as the highest degree of happiness. The highest degree of happiness. And it is used to denote heavenly joys. What is heaven like? It's a place of physical beauty. It's a place of perpetual bliss. We refer to the new heaven as the eternal dwelling place of God. The never-ending, eternal place where God and His people dwell. And because that is the case, it affords the child of God the highest degree of happiness. Now, why is that the case? Well, first of all, we will consider what will be absent from the new heaven that brings such perpetual bliss. What will not be in heaven? Well, first of all, no more Satan. No more Satan, who is the accuser of the brethren. And he, by his legions that he has that work for him, and by his children that dwell here on this earth, continually provoke and fight against the child of God at every turn. Guess what? In the new heaven, there will be no more Satan. Read your Bible in Revelation chapter number 20. He will have already been banished to his eternal dwelling place, which is completely separate from the dwelling place of God. There is a chasm fix that cannot be uh, climbed up or, or surmounted by any person, any being, or any individual. Clarence Larkin, the old Baptist, wrote this. All the powers of evil will have been expelled from the earth and imprisoned in the lake of fire forever. You know what's not going to be in the new heaven? A place of physical beauty? A place of perpetual bliss? Satan is not going to be there. And all of the temptations and trials and difficulties that are brought about in the life of the believer because of him and his people will no longer be there. Can you imagine a time, beloved, when we will no longer have to fight a spiritual warfare? We will no longer in the morning put on our Christian armor with prayer and get ready to do battle with all of the principalities and powers that seek to do our soul's harm. Man, if that doesn't make you want to shout, I don't know what will get your attention. There will be no more Satan. And you know what else won't be there? You know what else will be absent from the new heaven? And because of that, it brings eternal and perpetual bliss. No more sin. The Bible reads in Revelation chapter 21, in the last verse of chapter 21, verse number 27. Revelation 21, verse 27, And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. 
We'll talk more about those that are written in the Lamb's Book of Life in just a little bit. But there's not in any way anything that will enter into that new heaven and the new Jerusalem that will pollute. That's what the word defile means. Anything that works abomination. And the word abomination literally means detestable. Nothing that is polluted or detestable or makes a lie will enter in. And you know what goes along with no more sin? No more sinners. No more sinners. You say, well, brother, I thought that I thought that a saint is just a sinner saved by grace. Well, we are. We are. But we're going to spend an eternity with the Lord. And guess what? Those that know not the Lord, we refer to them as sinners. We're sinners saved by grace. We're no better than them here on this earth. But we're talking about an eternal dwelling place. And I just got to tell you, is it not going to be a perpetual bliss to not have to deal with the sinner? Not have to deal with those that are described in Revelation 21 and verse number 8 as the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars. Why? They shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Darlene and I were uh, watching a movie the other night, uh, the 1517 to Paris. You guys remember this story about the the, the military guys uh, that uh, three of two of two military guys, one of their friends, friends from childhood, they're on a train to Paris from Amsterdam, and a and, and a and a terrorist breaks out an AK-47, and he's got 300 rounds of ammunition, magazine after magazine, and he's going to go through the train and just randomly shoot people and kill as many people as he can. That's evil. That's depraved. And when you think of that, does it not make you think of the worst of mankind? And guess what? That fellow, unless at some point in his life, he heard the gospel of Christ and repented of his sins and trusted in Christ, he's not going to be there. There's not going to be any that is abominable, any murderer, any whoremonger, any sorcerer, any idolater, any liar. Guess what? we are going to be separated from all sinful savagery. I think about, and I don't mean to be dramatic. I mean, look, we we live in a world that is a world, it's a fierce world. But I think about what I see on a daily basis in my job. And I believe God has me there for a purpose. And, And, you know, if not me, who? If not me, who? I want I want victims to know that at least somebody is there that has got their back. And 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 the people in my office have the same attitude. But you know what? There's coming a day in the eternal bliss of the eternal new heaven where we're not going to have to deal with the savagery of man. Man treating his fellow man in such a savage and fierce way that we don't even want to think about it. There will be no more sin. What else will be absent that makes it a place of perpetual bliss? No more sorrow. No more sorrow. Revelation chapter 21 and verse number 4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. 
This is built upon what the Lord prophesied in Isaiah chapter 25 and verse number 8. In Isaiah chapter 25 and verse number 8, Isaiah writes, He will swallow up death and victory, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces, and the rebuke of His people shall He take away from off all the earth, for the Lord has spoken it. Can you imagine a time where there be no more sorrow? And you think of the, the most troublesome times in your life. And the things that literally rip your soul apart. Loved ones that have been done wickedly to. Friends that have forsaken us. Trials and tribulations that the Bible describes as afflictions of the soul. There will be no more sorrow. Only eternal, perpetual bliss. Fourthly, no more sickness. Our perfect bodies will not be susceptible to sickness. Uh, Larkin, I quoted Larkin just a few moments ago, but listen to what he said on this topic. Larkin wrote, The atmosphere of the new earth will afford no lurking place for disease germs, for there shall be no more sickness or death, and health will be preserved by the use of the leaves of the tree of life. Now we're going to talk about the tree of life, Lord willing, next week. But no more sickness. You know what's not going to be in the new heaven? coronavirus I can guarantee you this we won't be wearing masks in heaven we won't be having brother fighting brother over the vaccine there won't be any vaccines and we won't need any vaccines in heaven there will be no sickness in heaven and you know what because there won't be any sickness in heaven there won't be any death in Revelation chapter 24 uh, or 21 and verse number 4 that we just read a few moments ago let me read it to you again, just a portion of it. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death. Man, listen, there will be no more parting, no more sorrow. What is the most sorrowful thing that you experience here on this earth? If you're a normal human being and you have normal feelings, and I don't say that to be trite, because there are people that are not normal and they don't have feelings. But if you're a normal human being and a normal person and you're, you've, been, you've experienced the normalcy of life, probably the hardest thing here on this earth is to say goodbye to a loved one. Because you know you'll never see them again here on this earth. And, and I can't imagine, I cannot imagine what it would be like to lose a child. I cannot stand to think about the grief that would come. I think about Darlene's gammy face and she lost children before she passed away. I can't, I can't imagine the grief of soul and anguish. And guess what? There's no more sickness. There's no more death. There's no more parting. Because there's no more sickness. There's no more suffering. Can you imagine a world, a utopia, in which there is no Satan, no sin, no sorrow, no sickness, and no suffering. Revelation 22 and verse number 3 says, And there shall be no more curse. Now listen, I am going to get a little bit in the flesh this morning. So bear with me. You know what we're not going to do in eternity? <laughs> Mow the yard. We're not going to trim the bushes. You know why we do that? Go back to Genesis chapter number 3. The ground has been cursed. There is no curse. Man, listen. Listen. You go out into some of the places of this great creation 
and you're fearful you might be walking and guess what? You might wander upon a rattlesnake or a, or a cotton mouth. Remember my dad telling a story of when he was a kid and he's under the, uh, the, the, the front porch paint and got bit by a cotton mouth. Cotton mouths are deadly. You know what won't be there? Vipers, serpents, anything that can cause harm. There'll be no more suffering. And how about this? Could I just get a shout on this? No more strife. <laughs> There'd be no more arguing. No more Christians showing their flesh. In Revelation 21 and verse number 4 it says, Neither shall there be any more pain. There won't be any disloyalty or traducers in heaven. We'll all be on one team. Listen, by the way, we're all on one team here. It's just that some don't act like it. But in, in eternity, there'll be no traducers. None that are disloyal to the cause. We'll all have the same mission and motivation and the means to accomplish that. Albert Barnes wrote this in reference to this topic. He writes, How many are pained by the loss of property or friends? or subjected to acuter anguish by the misconduct of those who are loved. How different would this world be if all pain were to cease forever? How different, therefore, must the blessed state of the future be from the present? And Barnes is absolutely right. Man, listen. What is heaven like? It is a place of physical beauty. It is a place of perpetual bliss, of eternal happiness. Why? Because of what will be absent from there. But you know why else it's a place of perpetual bliss? Because of what will be admitted there. Not only what is absent, but what is admitted. Uh, admitted. Who is going to be in the presence of the Lord in this new heaven? Well, first of all, only the born again. Only the born again. We already read that in Revelation chapter number 21 and verse number 12, 27 where it says, uh, who's going to be there? They which are written in the Lamb's book of life. You know who those are? Their names were written there before the foundation of the world and that book was sealed. Those that have been washed in the blood of Christ. Those who are described in Scripture as righteous because of the righteousness that has been imputed to them by the Lamb of God. Peter wrote about this in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 13. In 2 Peter chapter number 3 and verse number 13, Peter wrote, Nevertheless, we according to His promise look for new heavens and a new earth. Now get this. Wherein dwelleth righteousness. And he's literally talking about the righteous. Who are the righteous? those that are righteous because of the righteousness of Christ. Christ's imputed righteousness. Christ who, who gave it all up, uh, came down from glory and condescended and descended to this earth and took upon Himself the form of a servant and literally suffered for our sins. And His righteousness is imputed unto us. It is reckoned to us. It is on our account. God is pleased. We are born again. At some point in this study, we're going to look at John chapter number 3 that deals with the new birth and Jesus' discussion with Nicodemus. And Jesus said, Marvel not, I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Because you know what? If you're not born again, you can't see the kingdom. 
you can't be in the kingdom. So what is going to result in the new heaven being a place of perpetual bliss? It's going to be not only because of what's absent, but because of what of, of what and who is admitted, the born again. And guess what? The born again are going to have, secondly, a new body. Now we talked about this previously a few weeks ago, and I read some verses to you from Philippians chapter number 3 and 1 John chapter number two, 3 and verse number 2. Philippians, uh, Paul writes about this body in Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 21 where he says, Who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body? Now what is this new body going to be like? What will be the functions and the appearance of this new body? Well, we don't know for sure. That's part of the secret things that belong unto the Lord. But we do know this, that our body is going to be like Jesus' resurrected and ascended body. Because we're told in 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 2, that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him. No more sickness. No more disease. No more dying. No more death. That is a reality. And man, listen. How happy would you be? Now just, just hear me out on this. How happy would you be if tomorrow morning the president held a, a news conference and said, you know what, I've, I've confided with all of my advisors and all the scientists globally and here in the United States, and we've determined that it's time for us to move on, and uh, we're removing all restrictions on this virus. And you're accountable for yourself, and if you don't want to wear a mask, don't wear a mask. You don't want to get vaccinated, don't get vaccinated. You're, you're, you're accountable for yourself, you're accountable for your children. We are lifting all restrictions. And you say, wow, man, that would be that, that'd make me happy. That make me happy. And how pleased would you be if they said the following day, well, guess what? We have discovered that the coronavirus has been completely eradicated. There are no longer going to be any deltas or any omicrons or thermocrons or nexocrons. I'm making that up, by the way. There's no more variants. It's done. It's over with. Would you just shout for joy that that disease and that virus is gone? How about if they came out the next day and they said, what an incredible week this has been. Uh, we have found a cure for cancer. And your body is no longer going to be susceptible to cancer. Well, then you know on Thursday they would have to say, well, we've finally discovered the Cleveland Browns are going to the Super Bowl this year. Because uh, that would be on the equivalent next year, I mean. But would you not rejoice? Would, you, would that not contribute to a happy, blissful state? Man, you know what? I don't need to be concerned. Look. We're all friends and family. We love each other. But you get concerned when you go to the doctor, don't you? Like, man, what's my blood test going to show? You know, I got this polyp on my back or, you know, my arm. And, you know, I had to get this removed. And now they're doing testing. And listen, you're saved by the grace of God. You know where you're going, but you're, you're nervous about that. Nobody wants to get that news. What about a place where that's never a factor? Those bodies are made unlike to the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are fashioned like unto His glorious body. We are going to exist in a state of perpetual bliss because of not only what is absent, but who and what is admitted, the born again, with their new bodies. And then how about this? Our fellow believers. 
I think sometimes we downplay this because we, we don't want to we don't want to be guilty of saying this. Well, you know, I can't wait to get to heaven because I want to visit with David. Or I want to visit with Moses. You know, we don't want to take away from the glory of the Lord and say say something like that, but but it is re- a reality that those saints are going to be there. Listen to this. This is what Jesus said. I, let me give you food for thought about this. This is what Jesus said. In Matthew chapter 8 and verse number 11. In Matthew chapter number 8, verse number 11, the Lord, the, this is the Lord speaking. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Folks, it's a reality. It's a reality. And so we don't say, well, you know, I really want to go to heaven because I want to visit with, with Abraham. Or I want to visit with Isaac and Jacob. But can you imagine a day where the writers of Holy Scripture are going to be in our presence and we can sit down with them and talk about events that literally unfolded in Scripture that you and I have read about for years and years. Can you imagine talking to David about what it was like to go up against Goliath and the power of God that infused him? Because remember, it's all going to be for the honor and glory of the Lord. Can you imagine sitting down with these great saints of God. I don't know who your friends are. I don't know who you spend the majority of your time with, but I hope that they're saved people. And I hope that they're people that lift you up instead of taking you down in your Christian walk. And can you imagine about the time we would spend with the saints of God in glory? Well, i got to tell you, I don't think the Lord would include this in Holy Scripture if He didn't have a purpose for us knowing it. Many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. I don't believe it's allegorical. I believe it's literal. So, what is heaven like? It is a place of physical beauty. It is a place of perpetual bliss. And lastly, it is a place of the presence of both. The Father and the Son. After all, this is God's dwelling place. This is God's dwelling place. And when Jesus Christ ascended into heaven, where did He go? He took His place at the right hand of the Heavenly Father. And so, beloved, what is heaven like? It is a place of the presence of both the Father and the Son. Now this means that if you don't love the Father and the Son, and you don't know the Father and the Son, you probably don't really have a great desire to be in heaven because the main thing about heaven is their presence. So what is heaven like? It is the place of the presence of both the Father and the Son. This is, first of all, the eternal living space for both. Now, I understand that God cannot dwell in a literal space. God is a spirit and He is omnipresent. But I'm talking about in terms of descriptive terms for which we can understand. It is the living space for both the Father and the Son. Now how is the Son referred to in the book of Revelation? By and large he is referred to as the Lamb. Now, I want you to listen to this in Revelation chapter 21 and verse number 3. Our, one of our text verses, we read this just a few moments ago. Revelation chapter 21 and verse number 3. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, 
the tabernacle of God was with men. And He will dwell with them. And they shall be His people. And God Himself shall be with them and be their God. Well, who is the tabernacle of God? It's the Son of God, the Lamb, who dwells amongst His people. The Word of God shows us that this is the eternal dwelling place. What is heaven like? It is the place of the presence of both the Father and the Son. It is not only an eternal living space for both, but it is the location of the eternal throne of both. In Revelation chapter 22, in verse number 3. Revelation chapter 22, in verse number 3. Listen to what the Bible says here. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. We're going to talk, Lord willing, next week about what do you do in heaven. First of all, there is a place called heaven. Heaven is a real place. Secondly, what is it like? What is heaven like? Thirdly, what do you do in heaven? Well, you get a great glimpse into what we do in heaven because it says that the throne of God and of the Lamb are in the midst of it and His servants shall serve Him. You know what? If you don't like serving here, you're probably not going to be thrilled with an eternity of service. It's the location of the eternal throne of both. And in this location, where the throne of the Lamb and the Father are located, they are both high and lifted up. In Revelation chapter 21 and verse number 22. Revelation chapter 21 and verse number 22. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. So there is no no physical location that we will enter into. You know, I've said this for years as a child of God. There's two places you ought to be during the week. You ought to be on the Lord's Day in the Lord's house and on Wednesday or Tuesday or Thursday, whatever day it is that your church has midweek services, you ought to be in the Lord's house. That's called being faithful. You need it. You need that midweek recharging of your of your uh, spiritual energy and spiritual batteries. You need to be in the Lord's house. But guess what? In eternity, <laughs> there's no Lord's house to be in because of the presence of the Father and of the Lamb. It's all the Lord's house. It's all time the Lord's house. And then lastly we're talking about the fact that it's a place of the presence of both the Father and the Son. There, And we talked about this, this a little bit earlier but I want to now bring this verse into play to cinch it down for us. There is no need of light there because the presence of both the Father and the Lamb serves as the light. In Revelation chapter 21 and verse number 23 Revelation chapter 21 and verse number 23. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. There is no sun or moon, as we mentioned a little bit earlier. Why? Because God and the Lamb lighten it. Brother Spurgeon wrote in his devotional in reference to the Lamb being the light of it. Listen to this. Spurgeon wrote, Quietly contemplate the Lamb as the light of heaven. Oh, what a manifestation. All this proceeds from the exalted Lamb. Whatever there may be of effulgent splendor, Jesus shall be the center and soul of it all. 
Oh, to be present and to see him in his own life, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Can you imagine that? We talk to Jesus. We talk to Jesus. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. We talk to Jesus. And I, I, in my personal devotions, am reading through the Gospels. I'm into the book of Luke. And I just finished in Matthew and Mark reading about the crucifixion of our, our Lord and Savior. And can you imagine the time when we see Him as He is? There is no looking through a glass darkly in the flesh causing us to do that which we desire not. And that which we desire to do, we don't do. And we don't fellowship with the Lord like we should. And oftentimes He's a friend that we forsake. But can you imagine in eternity where we are received sinless in the sight of the Lamb who loved us and gave Himself for us. Wow. Me? Forever in the presence of the Lamb of God. You. Forever in His presence. Oh, what a day that will be. Oh, what a day when we enter in to that place of physical beauty, of perpetual bliss, and of the presence of both the Father and the Lamb. Wow. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has really entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love Him. And we love Him because He first loved us. Man, this world is not for long. This wicked place where we fight and war and battle against the flesh, against Satan, against society. This world is not our home. Heaven is a real place. And the Bible just gives us a little glimpse into what it's like. Let's pray.